back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 123, Thursday, September 9th, 2021. And today is the official start of the 2021 NFL season. Last night, I sat down with friend of the pod, Matt Landis, to talk everything NFL as we prepare to embark on the campaign. A long 18-week journey this year with the extra week in the NFL season. We discussed macro, big-picture betting philosophy, how this is very much a grind, not a sprint, certain ways that we can improve our, our processes as handicappers um, in, the long, in the long run, keeping the big picture in mind. And then Matt gave out teams that he is most bullish and bearish on relative to market expectations entering the new season, and a prop bet that was a cash cow last year on his podcast, Props and Hops, and also brought him on the pod here on the Doggy Juice Pod to discuss, and it was cashing left and right for us last year. We'll be closely monitoring that one as well to see if uh, the market's wisening up to it or if maybe that that edge is already uh, gone now that the fans are back in the stadium. So, And, of course, we, we have some best bets for the weekend action in the NFL and college football, including our official Doggy Juice Pod NFL teaser of the week for week one. Just a quick disclaimer that the opinions expressed on this podcast are always my own and do not reflect the opinions of PlayUp Limited or any of its subsidiaries. And before I cut to the interview from Wednesday night with Matt Landis, if you're looking to bet on the wall-to-wall football action this weekend in CFB and the NFL, then check out Dimers.com for the best sportsbook deals and the latest offers at your local legal sportsbook. Dimers has, Dimers has the information you need to take advantage of the best promos that books have to offer and can get you linked up right to those deals so make sure you make dimers.com a part of your daily routine and of course always gamble responsibly yeah baby (laughs) all right let's cut to last night's interview with matt landis ladies and gentlemen i am very pleased to welcome back to the doggy juice podcast the one and only matt landis how's it going matt it's been a hot minute since we talked. No, just kidding. We talked last week on your podcast. How's everything going? <laughs> Everything's going great. We've got NFL games that count. The Doggy Juice Pod is alive and well, so no complaints. Happy to be here with you, Mike. Happy to have you back. And uh, I know that the longtime Doggy Juice Pod listeners and, and the Doggy Juice Pod listeners from last year's season will definitely be familiar with you because you came on uh, a couple times last year at least, and this might be your fourth time. We've, even, we've lost count now. Um, but you've brought on very valuable information here. Um, and specifically with um, with your, your NFL insight and stuff, and and you know I, I'm proud to call you a friend now, and, and especially you know a guy who understands this industry uh, better than, than than anyone else I know. No, no one else, no one else knows much more about it. We'll put it that way. And and uh, I'm pleased to have you back on. There's it's an exciting season ahead of us. And before we dive into everything, and I know we have we're going to be going over a couple team or teams that we're we're bullish about, teams we're bearish about, and then of course we have we're going to have a pick at the end. Uh, but before we get into all that, I wanted to catch up, see, see where you're at with everything. But even before we get there, I wanted to talk Bet Bash really quickly uh, because I touched on it in my episode last week. And and this was an event that it was the first of its kind. You were at it in New Jersey. Um, it's already two weeks ago now by the time we're recording this. Um, and and I had the pleasure of being there as well. It was, it was really an incredible event with uh, over 250 like-minded sports betting industry people from from all all corners of the industry and um i'm curious to, to hear how the event went for you and also just a reminder of the doggy juice pod listeners that you did a bet bash um i guess like series on your podcast uh, where you just interviewed a bunch of people around the event got a ton of attention so i'm curious to hear uh, what, what your thoughts were just general recap um of the bet bash event and what you were able to get out of it Sure. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. And I'm going to uh, play a card that Adam Chernoff played when I had him on earlier this offseason and ask if I may first intervene for a sec and, and weave in the hops part of this just so I'm not false advertising <laughs> with the props and hops name. Uh, do you have a beer in hand as well as we're having this conversation? I do have a beer in hand. It's the exact same beer I had in hand when we recorded your pod last ah. week. It's a, it's a spotted cow from, from New Glarus Brewing Company in Wisconsin. What, what about yourself? 
Ah, I, I'm still jealous about it all this time later. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to stop until I have one for myself. But for now, I will gladly take as a consolation prize a beer called Here We Are. I mean, here we are. It's week one of the NFL season. <laughs> Perfect. And here we are drinking this beer by Green Cheek Beer Company. It's my favorite brewery. They're in Orange, California, just minutes from Disneyland. And here we are is their Belgian-style white ale, so kind of like a Belgian wit if you see that on, on a taproom menu. And they've added some orange and coriander to the beer, so it, it's a nice, easy drinker. It comes in at 5% ABV, so it, it's really crushable. And at the same time, it brings more flavor, let's say, than a lot of the light macro lagers out there. So there's nothing wrong with, with any of those beers in any setting. But yeah, this is my nice just go-to easy drinker with, with a nice citrusy flavor kick to it as well. That's awesome. That's a good weeknight beer. So we're recording this on Wednesday night, the night before the NFL season starts. And it's that's one of those ones where, you know, they're, they're easy to drink. You may even put a couple of them down, but you're not going to have that headache uh, the next morning compared to, you know, some of these other sneaky high ABV beers, including the one that you were drinking last week on, on your podcast. The, the very simple, I was, it was like 7% or right. I mean, it's those ones can add up. Yeah, yeah, that one was called Imperial Sunshine, and I right. believe that was nine point six. Oh God, yeah. so yeah, those <laughs> those really do sneak up to your point. But this one, yeah, good for a weeknighter. Um, I, I guess a little spoiler alert on Props and Hops: it's a favorite to be the Week One show beer coming up soon because it's also a really good Sunday afternoon beer if people do like to you know kick back and drink a little bit while they're watching football. Maybe making some bets, although I, I advise uh, being reasonably sober if you're putting any money at stake. <laughs> but yeah, as a five percenter for even a Sunday afternoon, if not a weeknight, this hits the spot and, and spotted cow you can never go wrong with. Yes, and that's when I when I get the stamp of approval from yourself. That's something to uh, that, that I definitely don't take lightly because you are the the, the best. The, I guess the best authority when it comes to to uh, craft beer that, that I know. And, and obviously that's what your podcast that's it's aptly named props and hops because you, you cover the best embedding in beer. So spe- speaking of the best embedding though, we were around the best embedding at, at bet bash. And I know you were able to, I mean, even like showing up there, it was like everybody knew Matt Landis and, and your podcast. Cause, and it's really, and I, your podcast, and I, I know I mentioned it on your podcast last week, but truly it's, it's been, it, like you've brought on the, the the caliber of guests that you brought on uh, professional sports betters. I mean, you're a lister after a lister after a lister, the top of the top, the guys that not only have like, you know, the followers, but actually are good in the space. Cause as you and I know, there's a lot of people out there with loud voices, a lot of followers that, that don't know what they're doing, not giving out plus EV plus EV information. The guys that you've been bringing on the past couple months are top of the line, the best of the best in terms of the information they give out. So kudos to you for getting that done. But, but yeah, I'm curious to hear maybe like your quick takeaway from bet bash, but a lot of those guys that you brought on, um, you know, over the past couple months on props and hops, a lot of them were at the bet bash event. So I'm also curious to hear maybe a couple of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, from your recent podcast guests on, on props and hops. Sure. So starting with Bet Bash, I think one of the biggest takeaways on my end, uh, and this would apply uh, whether or not you could attend this event and you're listening, but you'd like to attend something like it down the road. I know there's going to be a Bet Bash 2 in Vegas and, and other events like it in the future, fingers crossed. Um, one of my biggest takeaways was as a you know content creator, as well as a better, to come prepared with a game plan and, and kind of approach an event like Bet Bash as, as our game day. You know, you with the play-up team, uh, really starting a lot of strong relationships for me. Like you said, it was a chance to meet people in person for the first time who have been so generous with their time and insight when it comes to you know sharing some of their thoughts on props and hops. So when it's you know our version of a game day, as I say that, I think you know coming up with a plan ahead of time, showing up ready to execute, and also you know being ready to get flexible because sometimes the best laid plans can go to waste, and other times there's something you never saw coming that can work out really well. And to that end, like my first night in Jersey, I flew across the country, had a long stay at the Newark airport, uh, waiting to (laughs) get off the tarmac and and get my bag and and get a car. And then I had tried really hard before the event to track down Spanky for a brief interview. And he was Mm -hmm. very friendly. Uh, Spanky was the host of Bet Bash for Context. He's a professional Mm -hmm. better who put this whole thing on. And Mm -hmm. as a better who is not really an event manager, um, he was kind of doing double duty and he was totally slammed and very friendly, but I realized I might not get him as part of my bet bash bonus series. And I was ready to live with that. So my first night there, um, 
I, I knocked out my first interview for the series, did some editing for it, and then I found a good spot to grab a bite to eat and something to drink before Jersey City really shut down. It's, it's about 10, 11 p.m. at this time. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to have my second double IPA of the night and kind of the opposite of the spectrum with the here we are 5% beer I described earlier. (laughs) These are heavy hitters, but the point was that, okay, it's been a, it's been a long productive day. I'm here now. It's a short drinking session so I can, you know, get to bed and get ready for productive next few days. And so, you know, two double IPAs can hit the spot pretty quickly. But (laughs) while I'm starting that second one, I got a message from Spanky asking if I could speak with him that (laughs) evening. And it, it's already late. I'm drained flying across the country. It turns out we spoke at one in the morning. Uh, I guess it was <laughs> Tuesday morning. Uh, in my head, it was still Monday, but also felt like it could have been any day. And yeah. <laughs> it was surreal just being so tired and, and trying to quickly wean off the effect of multiple double IPAs before you talk to somebody you've been trying to chase down for a while. <laughs> and it ended up going really well. Spanky was so friendly and engaged. And, and I really took that away from pretty much everybody that I met there. And so, mm-hmm. I, again, I guess tying this into the bigger takeaway from the event is, you know, being ready, have a plan, know what you want to do, whether you're trying to create some content out of something or for a lot of people, get some betting insight, meet somebody and, and get some kind of meaningful takeaway from them. Um, it might not happen in the way you envision it happening. And if you're just mm-hmm. ready whenever they may or may not happen to be ready, even if it's in the middle of the night, then, you know, that's maybe how you can score your biggest takeaway from an entire trip like that. So... That was, I guess, a fun anecdote from the whole Bet Bash experience, kicking it off on that note. And of course, the event itself was phenomenal and, and getting to meet so many people face to face and get direct feedback from a lot of my audience and also just some good betting insight from some really sharp minds there. I'm so glad that we were at that first one together. I already can't wait for the second one. It's going to be amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in Vegas, March Madness, uh, I think it's Final Four weekend at Circa. Mm-hmm. So um, I know a lot more people are going to be there. And tying this in with the second part of your question about lessons learned from recent guests, I'm reminded of a book that I think I read late in high school, if not early in college. It's called Cry the Beloved Country. And and this quote, I don't know why it stuck with me all these years, but the quote is that all roads lead to Johannesburg. And I don't know why, but I think about that in a betting context when I think about my recent guests in the sense that there's you know, far more than one way to succeed at all this. And as a couple examples, some of the guests I've had on for a first example, some of my guests have been wary of, you know, another COVID season. Unfortunately, we're going to have that as part of our news cycle once again. And because of it, they want to wait until later in the week to get their action down. They want as much information upfront as possible. And on the flip side, I've had guests on who embrace the uncertainty and figure when we're working with that kind of variance, it can go for you or against you. And if you just accept the bad breaks up front and get the best of the number whenever you can, it doesn't matter if you're betting early or late. So those are two different approaches to how to deal with uh, another COVID season we've got on our hands. And another example would be something like teasers, and and we can use that as a bit of a tease for a week one bet coming up a little later here. But (laughs) some guests have said that they'll play teasers very rarely, and it's a pretty rigid framework, only going through the key numbers of three and seven, And others have touched on, yeah, they'll mostly follow the Stanford Wong model. And that's NFL sides only, only going through those key numbers of three and seven. Uh, And while they'll mostly do the long model, they're also open to other edges they can find in teasers. And an example could be maybe you're crossing through three and seven in a college game so long as it has a low total. College Mm -hmm. tends to have more variance and higher totals, but that's not always the case. So a few times a year, if you can deviate from that Wong model, only NFL sides, maybe pairing an NFL game with a college game could make sense at some point, or, or mm-hmm. even a guest has talked about teasing from six and a half down to minus half a point when the money line implies value relative to, you know, the teaser price. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at that against a, a, say a money line parlay. So sometimes you can have a teaser for a better deal than a money line parlay when it's essentially the same bet. If you're teasing down to minus half a point. And mm-hmm. I haven't done enough research to really speak confidently myself to, you know, to either approach being right or wrong, you know, that rigid framework only going through three and seven in the NFL (laughs) or or these other angles. But to tie this all together with both examples, I don't think there has to be one right or wrong answer. I've connected with, you know, these are pro betters going every which way. And I think the key is to have an open mind and always try to look at both sides of the coin 
and really that applies in a lot of betting and beyond that, just life in general. I mean, I think that if we can question more of our assumptions and understand that things are rarely as good or as bad as they seem, we'll often be in a better headspace. And I know this isn't the most entertaining takeaway, but I've come to believe that the most successful people often tend to think in the least absolute terms. And that's mm-hmm. just been reinforced by a lot of the guests that I've been fortunate to connect with recently. Oh, that that is fantastic, and there, there's a lot to unpack there, including the, the the variance and teasers now with higher totals as well. But but mainly the the thing that I just grasped the most from what you just brought up is is there for starters, there's there's no you can't be stuck in your thinking. There's no right way of doing things. There's no absolutes like you said. And it's interesting that you said that some of these these guests, some of these experts and, and guys that really are the 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 smartest voices in the space, they can come to different conclusions. Um, thinking about the exact same thing. But I think that the one thing that all successful sports bettors have in common is something that you brought up right at the top, and that's preparation, treating it as your game day. And that's an important thing to keep in mind as you know we're about to enter this new NFL season, this long grind, where there's going to be winning weeks and there's going to be losing weeks for everybody that's betting. Um, you know, that's betting at least a reasonable volume. Uh, I guess if you're betting one once a week, in theory, you know, you can real often and not lose much in the year, but you know, it's it, those bad weeks are going to happen. And one of my favorite things that you've brought up, you know, in your bet bash bonus series that, that everyone's going to have to listen to here is, is really conversations that don't have anything to do with like actionable information, but really more of like the mindset of a better. And the best one in my opinion is, is your conversation with Rufus Peabody and really about stuff that he's brought up as well. Um, on, on his own, um, I guess on his Twitter feed and, and his own podcast about the process, but but mental health when it comes to to betters in the space, it's it's such an important thing to keep in mind, and especially when you're dealing with with your bankroll and and and, and everything else, it's it's obviously uh, of the utmost importance to to focus on your mental health, and not just in betting, but in life in general. But there's a lot that you know that goes into that as well, and I know we're going to touch on some of this later, but some of the 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 teachings from from David Malinsky that are just legendary that are um, that, that speak to this topic and, and having maintaining that balance during a football season, eating right, getting your mind off things at the right time, and, and not you know not burning yourself out. There's it's a hard thing to master, and some some people in the space you know there's a lot of people that you know you think a certain way. The grind is real during football season. Uh, always trying to get the best of the number. I mean, we know what that's like to be following the market and and striving to, to get the best of the number. Always tweaking um, tweaking your numbers, and at the same time, it's it's important to you know, to, to keep the big picture in mind. And I think that's been some of the best content that you've been providing um, on your show. Uh, but kudos to you for all the work you've been doing with props and hops and, and the excellent guests uh, that, that you've been bringing on. And, and obviously the, the attention now is turning to a brand new season. Uh, like I said earlier, we're recording this the night before uh, NFL 2021 season kicks off. Obviously we have the defending champs, the Bucks hosting the, the, uh, the, the Cowboys on Thursday night football. And, and it's a, obviously that time of year where everyone's all excited about everything coming up and, and just taking a step back and looking at season, you know, the, I guess the preseason market uh, view, I guess, of things. Um, And this is something we did kind of talk about a little bit on your podcast as well. So I encourage people to listen to props and hops from last week, but I'm I'm curious to know uh, the team that right now, the day before the NFL season starts, I guess the, the team that you're most bullish about relative to market expectations and the team that you're most bearish about, uh, relative to to market preseason expectations. Sure. So to start with the team that I would say I'm most bullish about relative to market expectation, the first one that comes to mind, uh, I'll keep it quick and move on to something more actionable because the first one that comes to mind is the Vikings. And you and I talked about that at Bet Bash. You did a great explainer on the Vikings last week on props and hops. I assume you're also talking about them on this episode. Maybe mm-hmm. they've you know, listeners have heard that before this interview, or they'll hear it in just a bit. You're right. <laughs> I won't belabor the point about being bullish on the Vikings. I know you've got that covered. So to add to that, I would say another team that comes to mind would be the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And for me, a big part of that is that I know there's the adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But the way this team is built, I really see two paths to viable quarterback play getting them a a pretty long ways. And that could be, you know, one path being if Jimmy G can just stay healthy and and be roughly league average, which isn't far from what he did, you know, a Mm -hmm. couple years ago. He was one decent pass in the Super Bowl away from winning the Super Bowl. And if he can't stay healthy or if he suffers a big performance drop-off, if Trey Lance has anything near what it takes uh, right out of the gates, then uh, that's, that's two pretty nice options in the Niners' 
backfield. And I think viable quarterback play for San Francisco, to be clear, doesn't require elite quarterback play. Their defense was wrecked by injury last year, and I think a healthier season could give them a big improvement on that side of the ball to alleviate some of the pressure on the offense. And to hone in on your question, I know this is relative to the market expectation, and the Niners are not lacking in popularity. So I think some of the value in my answer here might also be in how I look at the rest of the division. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are high on both the Rams and Seahawks. I know the Cardinals are getting plenty of buzz too. And so to run through those teams really quickly, I know the Rams are due for a big quarterback upgrade with Matthew Stafford. But I also think it's not as simple as adding Stafford to last year's team. The Rams had a lot of turnover on their defense, both in terms of some impact players as well as their coaching staff. And when it comes to the Seahawks, they've got a new offensive coordinator, and I hope they let Russell Wilson do his thing for the full season. But I'm not sure if I can believe it until I see it from that team for the full season after Pete Carroll seemed to pull the plug on a more optimal offense midway through last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, some something to question about the Rams and Seahawks. Again, it's, it's no surprise if either of those teams wins this division and makes a big playoff run. But... I do see some area where, you know, they could possibly falter and open up some doors for the Niners. And then as far as Arizona goes, I mean, there's no doormat in this division. The Cardinals could finish in last place and still be an above average NFL team. And I do like their prospects early in the season. But a couple of things that give me pause over the course of the entire season would be, I'm just not sold yet on Cliff Kingsbury's acumen as a head coach. Yeah. And if I'm not sold yet, I'm, I'm not sure that I ever will be. And I also have questions of, Kyler Murray's ability to stay healthy over the course of a full season. He might be generously listed at 5'10", 207, and he's already had some nagging injuries. I mean, I know to his credit, he hasn't missed a game yet. He started all 32 throughout his first two seasons, but there have been some persistent injury concerns. And and I mean, he might as well have missed the Rams game last year because he started it, but uh, wasn't in it for much longer than that. So yeah, I'd love to see him stay healthy and see the best of the Cardinals, but I'm just not sure that the way Murray plays and the way Kingsbury coaches that we're going to get that in 2021. So again, when it comes to the Niners, I realize that they are a popular team, and that means that their regular season win number, a lot of their futures have already been pretty heavily bet. So in terms of where I'm trying to find value to hone in on the you know the point about this being relative to market expectation, I think week one, they could be a very enticing teaser option. And mm-hmm. if people are listening to this after Thursday night football, or if Tampa Bay falls short in, in the first leg of a teaser that myself and probably the entire betting universe will be on, <laughs> I think the Niners could come into play. And I'll also be looking for play on spots throughout the season. Uh, an example I think of right off the top is Kyle Shanahan seems to have Sean McVay's number. It's a bit of a rock, paper, scissors game between the Niners, Seahawks and Rams. And the Niners seem to get the upper hand against the Rams quite a bit. So um, nothing to say about a regular season win number or a Super Bowl future or anything like that, but possibly something actionable as soon as week one and certainly looking for certain spots throughout the season. No, that's, that's great. I know the Niners, there's, you could, you could definitely say that the, the potential there is, I mean, it's definitely, you can't even like, I guess there's a wide range of potential outcomes with that team, obviously, but I think the arrow is definitely pointing up. And, and for me, there's, when you look at Kyle Shanahan, and and what he's capable of doing as a play caller, the adjustments that he makes in game, that's always a guy that I, I want to bet on. And if that's a tiebreaker for anybody, when you get a, behind a coach like that, as opposed to you know some of the old names out there. I know you're a, a longtime Chargers fan yourself, so uh, the coach that you had in there all those years, you just can't trust a guy uh, down the stretch, and it just it makes you feel better to, to just back a guy who's who you could always count on, you know, ninety nine percent of the time to make the, the most optimal decision. Yeah, I would say I wish Anthony Lynn well. He seems like a great person. I hope that he can find good success in Detroit. Um, but I do feel like as a Chargers fan, there might be some addition by subtraction with what they've done at head coach Absolutely. over the offseason. So quick quick question here then, your, your thought on the Chargers entering the year, because they've got some market love. Obviously, there's a ton of excitement, and a ton of optimism around uh, Justin Herbert heading into the year. But it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a different look this year. I mean, obviously, the new coach in and, and the new – uh, you know, new scheme and everything. Obviously, be a lot more pass heavy. It looks like they're gonna uh, they're gonna have an offense in there that really caters to his needs or to sorry to his talents, but uh, to, to Herbert's talents. But at the same time, um, I, I, I get the sense potentially that this could just be like one year too early uh, for some people. I, I do have uh, some futures on the Chargers in my as part of my portfolio. Just a couple like off numbers. I think I have like forty to one. Uh, just just for peanuts, mm. pizza bets. But at the same time. I'm uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on them because I, I do think that 
I mean, the, the, obviously the lineup they're trotting out there and have the past few years has been one of the, the NFL's stronger units, but at the same time, you know, they've been hampered by coaching. But do you think it might be a little bit, you know, maybe one year too early? Or are you buying into uh, to the optimism with the Chargers? Yeah, I will say right off the top, I think I'm more bullish on, let's call it their three-year horizon than mm-hmm. their 2021 horizon. And I had a chance to touch on the Chargers a bit on Tuesday of this week uh, in, in a fun new show I'm doing with uh, the sportsbook BetUS. I'm doing their NFL show with some really good handicappers, Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen. Mm-hmm. And they're really sharp minds. It's so fun to bounce ideas off of them. But when it came to the Chargers... Uh, it's it's interesting because I'm the resident Charger fan and also as a better, <laughs> I understand that while fans might have a lot of optimism and, and I want to buy that with a lot of, you know, I, I see some, you know, some blinking green lights with this team in some senses. I've also learned over the course of a decade plus that there are few things as a better that are more important than being objective. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they may have hit the jackpot with Justin Herbert. I mean, his rookie season was fantastic. So I'm curious to see what kind of year two leap he can make, or if we see, you know, of course, regression. PFF has talked about this a lot, and a lot of mm-hmm. others have, have said, I, I think rightfully so, that we can expect him to regress under pressure, but also with presumably a better offensive line and another year in the league to process the speed of the game, he might make up for that when he has a clean pocket to work with, with some improvement there. So mm-hmm. um, a lot to be seen with Herbert. And when it comes to supporting cast. I think of it as kind of like talent versus the opportunity cost of how little time a lot of that cast has been together. I mean, it seems like they upgraded the offensive line almost across the board. So a lot of good talent there, but how long is it going to take for the chemistry to really click and for those five guys to function as a unit? And also they have a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator. Uh, I think a lot of those are, are warranted moves. They should have some new faces there after what we've seen in the past. And I do feel optimistic about some of the guys they've brought in. But similar to the offensive line, it might take some time for the coaching staff to gel together and, mm-hmm. and for their messaging to really get through to a roster of 53 guys. So ultimately, I feel like the Chargers, I you know, I would believe it if they were to potentially challenge the Chiefs for the AFC West this season. But I would just as soon believe it if they were to find themselves you know, in a dogfight just to finish above 500. Mm-hmm. And here we are. I saw a great tweet right before we started recording i believe it was daniel popper the chargers beat writer for the athletic basically saying wouldn't be week one for the chargers without an injury panic and austin eckler a surprise dnp today with a hamstring injury Uh, so here we go i mean derwin james and joey bosa have stayed healthy herbert's still in one piece right now but uh it's already it's a team there's there's a lot of talent but in a lot of areas there's not too much depth so if they stay healthy if herbert can make some progress in year two building on a huge rookie year if the coaching staff can find its footing right away. Yeah. I mean, this guy could be the limit for this team, but I also think it's important to, to give it time. Every, you know, chargers podcast or chargers fan I talk to thinks they're winning 10, 11 games this year. And I'm just like, guys, they, you know, we'll see what happens depending on how healthy they stay and how all these new faces and new places come together. I feel like they might go eight and nine and that's not necessarily the end of the world. So it's just kind of being ready to accept, you know, a full spectrum of possible outcomes. Uh, that's that's great it sounds like you know just hearing from you there that there's you know this could be a potential team to like target you know with a slow start early in the year which would make sense you know team getting used to each other that new coaching staff there's that assimilation process uh maybe they're a bit slow at the gates especially with Eckler out and you know they week one week two with slow start they could be a good candidate you know later in the season to especially looking at that schedule early on it's you know those first three games not you know obviously at Washington at home against the Cowboys uh, that's obviously obviously winnable then they're visiting the Chiefs so it's definitely you know a situation where they could you know they could start the season one and two oh and three and people are a bit down on them and and then maybe it's a good time to hop in then uh, at that point potentially could be a good candidate to to find some value in the in the markets at that point but um, I want to kind of shift a little bit to Talk about I know someone that that's that's obviously very important to you and that and formative really for for both of us in this whole space. Obviously, someone who will never be replaced in the space, and that's David Malinsky. I know we touched on him in the past, and and for new listeners, um, Matt um, used to to do a po- uh, podcast uh, with the late great David Malinsky. Dave uh, tragically passed away a few years ago, uh, but his his impact on the sports betting space as as one of the best minds in the industry in general, not just. Uh, handicapping but also just industry knowledge and, and just 
obviously being one of the best human beings that you could possibly come across in your life. Um, Matt and him had, had a podcast together, and, and, and Dave's legacy certainly lives on in the Props and Hops podcast. One of my favorite segments in any show, podcast or TV show or movie, is, is the Malinsky Minute on, on the Props and Hops pod. Um, and I'm hopeful to bring a little mini Malinsky Minute or two into this podcast episode today. And um, just, uh, just curious, like what you think, you know, just heading into the year, this is always, and I, I talked about this earlier a little bit, you know, this, this is really an important time to examine our process and, and kind of like you did with Bet Bash, walking in with, with a, a plan, uh, walking in prepared, level-headed, but at least with a, a plan to execute. And that's obviously something we want to do as a whole throughout the season, but that really comes down to our habits each week, you know, by, by being disciplined, only betting, you know, at numbers that you're comfortable betting, keeping your, your units, uh, your, obviously your unit size in check, your bankroll in check, all of that is so important on a weekly basis. And if you're making those habits early on, um, it's it's obviously going to serve you well. Um, at the very least, you'll, you'll lose more slowly throughout the course of the year. Um, but this is the time, you know, heading into a season the night before where it's good to take that big macro look at, you know, how you're, we're going to attack things. And I think looking back at some of the teachings of Dave is, is, is the perfect time to to kind of be reminded of some of those that he dished out over the years. So what what are one or two I guess, you know, the macro NFL betting learnings that, that you uh, took away from, from Dave Malinsky over the years. Sure. Yeah, let's do two. I, I would say one of the first lessons I learned from Dave and one of the final lessons I, I still take away from knowing him uh, come to mind. And, and that first lesson would be a, a simple quote. People might hear something similar in the Malinsky minute coming up at the end <laughs> of the week one props and hops episode. And that's simply slow down. It's week one. The NFL is back. We're all excited. And for good reason, I think we should have a lot of fun with it. But the end of week one and even the end of the season is not this arbitrary finish line. There's no rush to try to get even or finish in the black. I I think it underscores that our biggest edge is betters, something you and I have discussed many times, but I think it's worth repeating. Our biggest edge is betters is our ability to be selective. Mm -hmm. The books have to post lines for every game and we get to pick our spots. So mm-hmm. I think the key here, thinking of, you know, Dave preaching slow down at this time of year, obviously, so we're human, we're excited, let's enjoy it. But it's important to pick our spots and manage our bankroll with caution. So that that leads me to, I guess, my, my final thought on, on this note being watching a game without any action on it doesn't need to be boring. In fact, I would argue that it, it shouldn't be boring because it can be hugely valuable as a better. Mm-hmm. It can often put us in a more objective frame of mind. And that can mean a better position to find things that apply to best moving forward. So whether or not we're betting, just slowing down, making sure when we're doing it, we're doing it for a reason. And if we're not, it, it doesn't mean it needs to put a damper on any of the fun. Um, this is a great time of year. But I think if, if more people could take take just a beat and slow down, that can, I think, set a perspective that can take us a lot farther in the long run. That is excellent. And uh, yeah, I mean, cannot be understated because week one, our bets this week are equal to the bets that we're going to be making in week seven. As long as you, you know, in theory, maybe your unit size goes up if you're, if you're, you know, you're tearing it up the first six weeks, but you know, it, it, that, that's the key. The, the money's going to print the same and, and week seven versus week one versus week 10. And you know, it's, you, you have to keep that big picture in mind. Your, your week one results should not make or break your bankroll. And if it is, then you got to decrease your unit size. It's that simple. So it's, that's, it's absolute perfect time to examine stuff like that. And I, I know you said you had two, so what's the, uh, what's the second one? Yeah. And so to, to bring it around to the other end, I would say one of the final lessons I ever got from Dave was, uh, and this is one of the last text messages I ever received from him. It takes a full spectrum to make the proper life portfolio. And he sent that to me, not in a football context, but I think it applies here. I mean, thinking of it within the confines of betting on the NFL, similar to some of the lessons I mentioned from guests I've had on Props and Hops, all having you know different methods, and there are many paths to success. Mm-hmm. There is a full spectrum, if you will, that can get somebody to a good place. And I think it's really important to keep an open mind and broaden your horizons And even taking this beyond football betting, building on a point that you mentioned earlier, I mean, football is about to become, you know, a bigger part of a lot of our lives. Certainly that applies to me, but I think it's really important not to lose sight of things like mental and physical health and other things that matter. In fact, a lot of things that matter much more than football in reality. And for certain people that could be, you know, exercising, getting outdoors, 
uh, nurturing relationships with loved ones, eating and sleeping well. It, it can be anything really simple or really nuanced, but I think that whatever mental and physical health looks like to you, it probably isn't more screen time. And of course, there's going to be a lot of screen time in store for us this football season, some weeks more than others, depending on what's going on. But if we can make a conscious effort to keep that in check and really embrace that full spectrum of the proper life portfolio, that can often come right back around and make our betting even sharper when we come back to the screen. That's so well said. And as you and I know, there's no one better at putting that into practice than than, uh, Dave Malinsky. And and it's something it's it's a lifelong pursuit. That's the other thing too that I think it's important to keep in mind. Like this stuff is it, it's a lot easier said than done, of course. And it's it's something that you know it's it, it takes time. It's not something that you know maybe you're going to do perfectly early on. There's going to be those temptations to you know to increase your bet a little bit or and or you know obviously gorge on pizza on a Sunday. And I'm never a hater on that, of course. But being mindful of of your you know your sleep schedule and and your the food you're putting in your body at the start of a long day at the desk, looking at the markets and the games is, is obviously going to put you in the best position to succeed. And, and it is a lifelong pursuit. I think that it's, uh, it's naive for, for either of us to think that we're in a situation where we've mastered that. I mean, speak for myself there, but, but it's really, absolutely it's, it's, and, and that's the, the part of the challenge. And that's really, uh, honestly, on my end, it's part of the fun too, because there's always something to be seeking and there's always markets to be uncovering. There's always, you know, that, that's the other thing too. We have to always be, and it kind of goes into what you were saying at the top. We always have to be willing to adjust once you get stuck in your ways is once you have problems and you always have to be trying to find, you know, market opportunities because sometimes there's angles that you find and those angles, um, you know, they don't last forever sometimes because other people figure them out or, you know, the odds makers, bookmakers figure them out as well. And I guess the perfect example of that, uh, perfect. I mean, this is an A plus lead, isn't it? Is the 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 angle that you brought up last year on this podcast, and of course covered on your podcast, and I would argue got out there. Uh, I heard a couple people talking about it that they heard it from your podcast, uh, including our, our mutual friend Jake Williams. He got really into it as well. Uh, but your the prop that you identified last year is having value in the market, um, and that was a real meal ticket for all of us, including listeners on the Doggy Juice Pod. And that was uh, over under longest touchdown one and a half yards and obviously taking that under um can you briefly explain how that worked out last year and what your thoughts are on 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 uh, on that prop heading into this season sure yeah so when looking at the shortest touchdown of a game to be under one and a half yards it sounds like threading the needle because a one yard touchdown sounds like a very specific distance but it it happens more than a lot of casual fans might think and what led me to that was, you know, we saw a historic scoring increase at the start of last season. Offensive holding wasn't being called. Without fans in the stands, the opposing or the visiting offense could communicate just as well as the home offense, even on key downs deep in the red zone. So we saw a lot of scoring and red zone efficiency, you know, seemed really clean. And I realized, okay, the totals market is going to become efficient pretty quickly because it's just a major market. I mean, NFL sites and totals are about as efficient as it gets. So mm-hmm. what, you know, what are some trickle-down bets that get at the same concept that might not be whacked into place as much? And with a prop like this, again, these don't have huge limits. So if you're a really big better, it's it's not going to let you, I, I guess, wet your beak as much as you'd like to, mm-hmm. to borrow a term from Spanky. <laughs> but it still was something that I found, you know, some books mispriced. And and I know there are some retail shops out there that they'll open this, you know, the the under will be minus 120 and the over will be minus 110. Of course, they've got a house take built in there, but they'll open that same price every game. And it doesn't matter if it's Denver at the Giants and the total is 42 and a half, or if it's Kansas City hosting Cleveland and the total is 54 and a half. So over the course of a week, those numbers will move. But um, I, I realized pretty quickly, I mean, it, it's pretty simple that, a higher total for a game implies there will be more points scored. More points is good for the prospects of more touchdowns. And the more touchdowns there are, the more cracks we get at a one-yard touchdown. So there would be times just just a lot of it was line shopping. And some sharp books, you know, the, the market makers of the world would know that, okay, if a game's lined in the mid-50s with its total, then this prop might have the under one and a half yards as the favorite for the shortest touchdown mm-hmm. price in the minus 180 range. That's That's probably spot on. But a lot of books, you know, it wasn't as extreme as so many places having a minus 120 where you had a 60 cent discrepancy there. Yeah. But a lot of places might be hovering around minus 140, minus 150. And that's still, you know, even if you just looked at the true price accounting for the VIG at the market making books, that still offered plenty of value. So 
obviously in a, in a sample size of one game, it can feel like a lot to risk, let's say minus 150 on a one yard touchdown. That just mm-hmm. seems like for a lot of betters, I get it. That can feel like a lot of big to lay for something that sounds like you're going to need to thread the needle for it to get home. But uh, at the same time, you know, if there's a reason that some of the sharper books out there price this the way they do, and there's some opportunity if you can shop around, especially in games with higher totals, um, it's something that I'll be looking for throughout this coming season. I know they did start to call offensive holding a little bit more as last season progressed. And with fans back in the stands, that might disrupt communication for visiting teams. Mm-hmm. So scoring might come down. Um, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they still referee the game in a way that favors the offense and coaches continue to get more analytically savvy. We have fewer decisions mm-hmm. like Mike Vrabel punting on fourth <laughs> and two from the opponent's 40. Yeah. And, and even things like that. It does. You don't have to get the ball to the one-yard line every drive before this has a chance. I mean, a lot of times just seeing if coaches, you know, like Frank Reich knows, hey, it's fourth and one at the opponent's 35. We're going for it. Mm-hmm. That tells me that in Colts games with a higher total, I'd be more inclined to bet on this prop than a Titans game where a coach like Vrabel might punt because – if you punt on fourth and two from the 40, the drive's over. If you mm-hmm. go for it, you're probably going to convert, and, and that's just one more edge to eventually possibly get to the one. So there's a lot that goes into it, and I'm, I'm not sure that the same edge will apply this year. But even if it drops off a bit, if it doesn't drop down tremendously, there might still be some value there. So that's probably the biggest angle that I'm going to be monitoring closely in the props market to start the season. That's awesome. And I, I will definitely be monitoring that myself because there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of minus 140s, minus 150s that I was betting into in weeks when, you know, I know you were saying you were pricing it at the minus 180 range. And and those are edges that you want to accumulate over time. And, and you touched on this earlier. It's, it's you know, it, or just, just now, really, it's it, it's important not to overreact to one or two of those because, you know, it, it is difficult to for a lot of recreational betters to lay, you know, minus 150, minus 140 on something. And, you know, 140 bucks to win 100, and and especially when it loses one or two times, it really dries up your appetite really quickly. But sticking to that process and, and getting, you know, assuming that you're identifying an edge um, and you're confident about it, uh, sticking to that process and not letting a couple of short-term results sway your thinking, I think is it's probably the most important thing. So I'll I'll definitely be following that one very closely and listening to the, to the props and hops pod to to hear it because uh, that's that's going to be a good one, especially in some of those higher total games. And when you get teams that are, you know, airing the ball out and open up the door for a PI call in the end zone, you know, a lot more, you know, the, the, to your point, those fourth and fourth and ones going for it and getting the first down, that's just three more opportunities maybe to air one out and get that PI call. Or like you said, just keep the drive going. So it's, it's definitely something to monitor and, and something I'll be, I'll be closely paying attention to. Yeah. And weaving in another quote from earlier, all roads lead to Johannesburg. I mean, there, <laughs> there are many paths to a one yard touchdown. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, the running back or wide receiver gets tackled at the one to your point mm-hmm. between, you know, pass interference or coaches just keeping drives alive to even give them the opportunity to get tackled at the one. There's a lot that goes into this. And I would say to the point you made about wondering whether you have an edge, if something like this loses the first two times you play it, I I get it. That can be frustrating, but something that a lot of betters can do who have multiple outs. um, If you have a lot of different accounts, you probably have a sense of which ones tend to be sharper and which ones might be more retail shops. And look at the, you know, the best number you can get and compare it to the closing number at the sharpest book you have access to. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting minus 140 and you see that book bookmaker closes at minus 180, then, you know, that that's an edge in the long term. You want to have that in your portfolio and there could be weeks or months where it doesn't pay off. But in the long term, those kind of edges are few and far between. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that this one can hold up for a little while longer. Well said. Fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, per- perfect example there too to to look at the sharp books at the end to compare your CLV and not necessarily the the, the more square ones. So, all right. So before we close with your with your NFL Week One, I guess best best bet slash best betting angle for the listeners, um, I want you to 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 plug your plug your stuff here. Obviously, with the Props and Hops podcast that you can find on on Spotify, on, on obviously on Dimers uh, our sponsor, and also at. Um, you know, pretty much anywhere podcast can be found, but but also the Bet US show. Tell us a little bit about that, where people can find it, and and, and when it airs. Yeah, so the Bet US show has been so exciting to get involved in this summer. I'm hosting a show basically all about NFL betting with some really smart NFL handicappers, Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellen, and we go live twice a week on YouTube. Um, if anybody wants to tune in, we're live Tuesdays at 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. I guess that would be 4.30 doggy juice time. And then 
Friday is at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, so let's call that, yeah, 11 a.m. Central. Basically, on Tuesdays, we're reviewing the previous weekend and previewing the upcoming slate, including a Thursday night football breakdown. So we broke down the season opener between the Cowboys and Bucks on this past Tuesday show. And then on Fridays, it's a deep dive on the NFL weekend board. We're going to get into every game and feature some picks from Chris, Scott, and myself. So yeah, I think one of the fun parts about this is going live on YouTube, and the show is released in podcast form, so if somebody wants to get that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that's great as well. But the benefit of tuning in live on YouTube is that we've worked in an interactive Q&A, so people can join and ask us questions in the chat, and we've gotten some really good questions so far, and it's been really fun making it an interactive show, and hopefully that means we're providing as much valuable audience uh, insights as possible. And, and to take it full circle, I mean, BetUS is the first sports book I signed up for a decade ago. And working with Chris, Scott, and the BetUS team has just been an absolute joy so far. And, and selfishly, it's also made me a better better. I mean, I think about mm-hmm. uh, trying to parlay that into the season approach for Props and Hops, which, by the way, thank you, Mike. Last year was the one-year mark for the podcast, and you were on to help bring that in, becoming the show's first three-time guest. And, and I think about, you know, doing things like this week's NFL week one show. It's going to be the 70th episode, some fun little milestones here. Um, <sighs> but between working with Chris and Scott and the Bet US team or, or bringing on some dream guests this season, I mean, some of the brightest minds and big names and betting and beer, certainly more betting, but the beer has been a good companion piece. <laughs> it's really laid a strong foundation to put a lot of the, the Bet US work and some of these offseason props and ops interviews, really putting that into action with the NFL season kicking off. Um, hoping to feature some occasional interviews with guests during the season as well. But it's really shifting gears to in-season mode. I mean, focusing on breaking down each week's NFL slate. And the goal when I started the show, I, I think there's a lot of alignment with what you're doing here, was to isolate the signal from the noise. You've referenced very well that it can be a very cluttered sports media landscape, especially on the betting side of things. And I mm-hmm. like to think that uh, just like you, I, I have a good filter so last year, the focus was to curate you know, the wisdom of the crowd, so to speak. And this year, the goal is to take it a step farther and maybe look at it as the wisdom of the sharps that I'll be curating. Also adding mm-hmm. some of my own perspective, maybe props like we'll see what happens with the one and a half yard prop on touchdowns every week. And, and really putting a heightened focus on distilling the best bets from some of the best bettors in the space into the most digestible, actionable format possible. So there's going to be picks, but also a lot of emphasis on process. Certainly a beer of the week we've in each episode. And uh, yeah, I think last year I released episodes Friday morning or afternoon. And this year, trying to bump that up to Thursday evenings if possible. Might record while watching Thursday Night Football. Want to give more time for people to listen in and take action if they want. And certainly looking to get that out as early as possible each week without compromising the quality of information. So I know you know what that dance is like trying to find the right timing, but also not not give too mm-hmm. much on the quality of what you're putting out there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's week one for us, so back to the grind of trying to find that sweet spot all season long. Well, the, the content is coming It's coming hard, and it's coming fast for you, and it's it's amazing. And, and definitely, as a listener and a watcher of uh, – the listener of Props and Hops and a watcher of, of the BetUS show, it's you're, you're truly teaching people how to fish while also, of course – out a few fish as well each week so it's it's fantastic and and i guess you have one fish to to dish out to the doggy juice listeners to to close things up what is or yeah what, what's your your favorite i guess nfl week week one best bet slash betting angle sure so i mean as far as an angle i'll keep an eye and i think that that touchdown prop is something especially in week one i'll look out for last year scoring was so high early on so want to see how that plays out as far as a bet goes, yeah, we'll give out a fish, but hopefully teach a little fishing as well with this. Uh, it's it's a teaser that, again, we've probably got plenty of company on this, but I am teasing the Tampa Bay Bucks down to minus two, and I'm pairing them with the LA Rams minus one and a half, so kind of a, a primetime mm-hmm. teaser to bookend things with Thursday night football going into Sunday night football. And I had a chance to break this down with Las Vegas Chris and Scott Kellett on that Tuesday Bet US show that we did. In fact, Scott's also on that bet. So, um, nice. I, I mean, I feel like there's a good reason that so many of us are. Um, sometimes you feel like, oh, everybody is on it, then it, then it must be doomed in a sense. But I also <laughs> I'll say think, I'm, on, I'm on that bet too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, it's, you know, no guarantees here, but but I think there's a good reason when you can go through key numbers with these teams, yeah. then then there's reason to get in play. And in the first leg with the Bucks, I think that. Um, you know, they were almost my answer for the team that I'm most bullish on relative to the market, even though the market clearly already loves them. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that everyone's back. They've got, you know, that applies to their starters and their coaching staff. That could be so big for their continuity. And we really saw, you know, once they settled in last year and got on a good run after their bye, that continuity went a long way in Brady's first season there. On a season-long basis, I, I do have two possible red flags for the Bucks. Uh, first off, you know, Tom Brady's age. He's 44. Um, he's proven us wrong how many years at this point. He, he may well maintain <laughs> that level of play. He's just been amazing when it comes to revolutionizing longevity at that level of quarterback play. But, you know, some of the best of all time have fallen off a cliff at a certain point. So maybe this is his time. Again, maybe not. He's proven us wrong before, but it's something I'm watching out for. And also, again, a season-long issue for Tampa Bay could be negative regression with injury luck because they were the healthiest team in the league last year by a long shot. So mm-hmm. while those two things get my attention over the arc of the first 17-game season, and week one, the Bucks are pretty much at full strength. And we can't say the same for Dallas. Still, I know they're saying Prescott's looking like a full go, but uh, I'm not totally going to be sold on his shoulder until I see it. And all-pro offensive lineman Zach Martin likely out due to COVID. So it could have the Bucks in a really good spot to run away with things on Thursday night to kick off the season. And then with the Rams in the second leg here, I, I think something that I've come to see over the years is that unfamiliar, excuse me, unfamiliarity, there's a good a tongue twister word 50 minutes into this interview. Uh, <laughs> unfamiliarity favors the offense as, uh, as the adage should go. And I think Sean McVay unleashing Matthew Stafford for the first time could be a slight edge for the Rams. And, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I know the first time I came on the Doggy Juice pot, I think I upset some of your home crowd with uh, a pick on the Rams. <laughs> and, the Bears. And, and here yeah. I go again. But hey, uh, it's I, okay. just, I, I just have a hard time seeing the Bears keep up here. I mean, Andy Dalton has, uh, I, I would say, a relatively safe floor, but also a pretty low ceiling. And that low ceiling means some limited variance that could be really good for a teaser. We like to see less variance when we're teasing these games. And so in a nutshell here, we've got two clearly superior teams, both at home, needing to do a little more than win outright. And something I hinted at in the San Francisco breakdown, just in case anybody's hearing this after the Cowboys-Bucks game has kicked off, or if Tampa doesn't cover its first leg, I think the Niners could be a good team to pair with the Rams if you're just looking for a teaser limited to games being played on Sunday. And I make the Bucks rams teaser good for a full unit. I would say with the Niners and Rams, a slightly reduced amount, um, something I took away. Another lesson from a props and hops guest this offseason, pro better Steve Fezzik. Uh, he mentioned mm-hmm. that there's more variance with road favorites, like the Niners in this case. And, of course, we want less variance in teasers. So if you can't get down on Tampa Bay paired with the Rams, I would say the Niners with the Rams, something in the range of eight-tenths of a unit, still see plenty of value to get in play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's week one of the season's here, and it, it already feels like teasing season's about to hit a fever pitch. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't wait for it. And and don't worry about the Bears the Bears thing, too. One thing I can promise you, though, is if this Rams-Bears game on Sunday night goes how how I think both of, our, both of us are expecting it to go, you will be able to hear the people from Chicago all the way out there in L.A. where you're at calling for Justin Fields to come in because they're going to be so loud. The, the talk show, I can already hear the talk show radios and the talking heads out here uh, calling for Justin Fields to start over Dalton if things go that way. So prepare for that. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's coming. We'll we'll just have to see when. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, it's fantastic as always. Really appreciate you taking the time with everybody. uh, And and just, yeah, give us a quick plug of your, of your, I guess, where to follow you on social media. Sure. So on Twitter at MLandis18, uh, that's a good one-stop shop for everything, whether it's related to props and hops, the bet us NFL show or anything else. Uh, Yeah. Twitter at MLandis18. Awesome. Thank you for the time as always. Looking forward to bringing you on again. Uh, I'm sure in the not too distant future, maybe we'll even do a, maybe a, a later in the season, we'll check in and see how that, that uh, one and a half yard touchdown props doing and catch up, see uh, what kind of waves you continue to make in the sports betting space. So thanks again, Matt. Really appreciate you, you uh, coming back on. Yeah, Mike, thank you for having me on. I know as much as I try to provide value when it comes to the intersection of betting and beer, you're already providing incredible value at the intersection of betting and the legal landscape. Uh, so I love that we've got some nice overlap there as well as a bit <laughs> of good you. differentiation. And yeah, I'm, I'm always pumped to join your show and it's so great having the doggy juice pod back in the weekly mix. Absolutely. And it's always good having you back on. Couldn't have imagined a better guest to bring on uh, to get things cooking for the 2021 season. So good luck and uh, we'll, we'll touch base soon. Thanks again. Sounds good. Thanks Mike. 
special thank you again to Matt for coming on the pod. As he mentioned during the interview, the Minnesota Vikings are the official Doggy Juice Podcast 2021 preseason team of the year relative to market expectations. And Matt and I did a deep dive on the Props and Hops podcast last week that I encourage all of you to listen to if you haven't already. And I, I gave my explanation why, or a lot of reasons why I'm pro-Vikings um, in the second half of that interview last week. Uh, but a lot of it really stems from the fact, my belief and, and trust really in, in, in the coaching staff and Zimmer to get all those moving parts in line, especially on the defense, and, and come out with, with a unit that I think the market is, is underappreciating on the defensive side, and I think the market may also be overreacting to some internal strife um, with, obviously, Kirk Cousins refusing to get the vaccine and some uh, perceived, I guess, locker room issues. Uh, but also, the fans are back, and obviously Minnesota, they have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. I think it's also a, a way to get into play if you're looking to fade the Packers um, after what they've you know, gone through the offseason with Aaron Rodgers and all, all the internal strife there, or at least the notion of it. And, of course, you know they, they have two games against the Lions and you know, the Bears. Hate to upset you, Bears fans, but bottom third team in the league, according to Vegas ratings. Uh, not just me thinking that, but obviously the Vikings get the Bears twice this year as well. It's not the best schedule from a rest advantage standpoint. They face a lot of uh, teams that are coming off superior rest advantage this year, so schedule makers didn't really do them any favors in that regard, but I still think this is a team that can definitely eclipse their season win total of nine right now, so highly encourage you to get to play, um, while of course keeping in mind the fact that you're tying up that money for several months, so there's always a consideration uh, there as well. All right. It's time to close out the pod with some best bets. Starting in college football, I'm going back to Iowa State this week. Last week, we obviously were all over that under in Iowa State, Northern Iowa. That was a rocking chair winner, never in doubt. Um, But this week, and and I'm going to caveat this again by saying that I am an Iowa Hawkeye myself as an Iowa graduate, Iowa alumni. And I know that last year, and, and really the previous couple of years, I've really been um, on Iowa State in this matchup against Iowa, uh, the Cy Hawk uh, trophy. And obviously it's a big deal. College game day is going to be there this Saturday, so everyone's eyeballs are going to be on this one. But, but Iowa State is the play this week. Of course, you have to shop around for the best price. Um, it's interesting because the majority of tickets are on Iowa, but we did see a move on Iowa State. Um, the, the look-ahead line on this game was six last week, but obviously Iowa State went in at UNI. Obviously a bit of a look-ahead spot looking forward to this game against Iowa, um, and obviously UNI played them very close, but that's kind of what Campbell was saying. He was pretty much telling um, you know, the journalists, the sports journalists, that that's how he was going to play it. He was going to slow it down because UNI is a very strong defense, but he was very confident that, that the Iowa State, you know, they – their defense would obviously be able to stop the UNI offense, which was, you know, it all worked out, the handicap on our end. But I really think that there was a bit of a look-ahead spot. They didn't want to show too much. They had their minds on this game against Iowa. And really, they've had it circled on their calendar, too. This is obviously quarterback Brock Purdy's senior year. And Coach Matt Campbell, I have not made it a secret over the past few years on the Doggy Juice pod, um, how how much I like his coaching staff and his philosophies and what he's done with that program. I think his future is very bright, and I've been bullish on this team ever since. They've cashed many a ticket for us on the Doggy Juice Pod and select spots, and this is another one where I'm looking for them to cover against my Iowa Hawkeyes. But Brock Purdy, senior quarterback, there's going to be a huge quarterback edge here. I think also the fact that, that Iowa has won five straight in this, too, certainly plays a factor, um, and including two years ago in Ames, the Hawkeyes went in. And, and won that game. So they've had their number. Iowa State, this is Brock Purdy's last chance to get a victory against the Hawkeyes. And obviously, fans will be in the stands here. It's not going to be your typical home field advantage for a college football crowd. And the market's essentially saying that these two teams are equal. And even with the home field advantage, that's assuming a home field advantage of, of you know, your typical three, three and a half, whatever points in, in college football. But um, at the same time, it's, I don't think it's properly taking into account the fact that Iowa State is just a superior team on, on, on both sides of the ball, really, with a lot of their players up front. Obviously, the Iowa defense is super strong, uh, but Iowa State, their defense is certainly no slouch. And crazy stat here, but Iowa State, 
I read this earlier. It's in their last six games in the second half, they've only allowed 16 points and 26 total points in the second half of their last seven games. And that there were some good teams that they faced in that in that stretch in the Big 12 dating back to last year. There's a lot of returning starters on this Iowa State team, of course, as well. They're heading into the year. There was a lot of pundits that were actually, you know, were bullish on them as a as a sleeper, a legitimate sleeper to make the college football playoff. And I still think that they have the ability to to go very far this year and obviously maybe even challenge for that spot but they're just a team that brings in the experience I think there's a bit of a market overreaction last week obviously Iowa State not covering and it were coming anywhere close to covering that spread against you and I and Iowa beating the piss out of Indiana with ease uh, so it's just all set up with market perception you have the public on the Hawkeyes seeing that reverse line move uh, midweek kind of solidified things a little bit you've got to make sure you get the best number of course and I call this if this was goes down to three minus three minus 110 that is going to be one of my biggest bets of the college football year highly doubt that that happens unless there's some sort of unforeseen news or injury but I am seeing at the time of recording this FanDuel uh, for all my fellow Illinois listeners they are offering uh, Iowa State at minus three and a half minus 112 I see a lot of books are at uh, minus four seems to be the consensus price right now some of some of them did tick up to four and a half when that Iowa State money came in but then tick back a little bit but I would definitely make it a point to get into play at minus four or better if you could find three and a half and lock that in right now that's a lot better as well and shop around it's not the worst thing to look at a money line here um, if you could find a good price you know maybe minus 170 if something like that pops um, even minus 160 I would play that but I haven't seen anything like that but Definitely on, the, on Iowa State here, expecting them to win the game outright. It will be uh, probably a low-scoring affair as well, which is why I feel a little bit better about a money line spot if you can get the right price. But I call it good at minus four or better, and just a spot where I expect Iowa State to just, you know, they've had this one circled. Fans are going to be there in full force, and they're just a superior team. So I'm going to be backing them this week, and I'll be glad, very happy if I if I lose that bet. Of course, I won't be very happy if I'm if I'm not playing the money line if if Iowa. State wins but doesn't cover, but uh, you know it would be the worst of both worlds. But who cares what I think? <laughs> who cares about my feelings? Uh, the fact of the matter is, I think that we have value on this play. So uh, nothing wrong with kind of sprinkling things around as well. And more importantly, for in-running purposes in this game, if Iowa State does jump off to a lead with that second-half scoring in mind, and the idea of you know of Iowa trying to come back and forcing uh, quarterback and Petrus, who is really just not. Uh, it didn't really excite last week. There wasn't much enthusiasm for just looking at his line. He didn't need to do much, of course, but expecting him to go play a game on the road um, against the Iowa State fans, college game day, first time uh, against fans, really, in the stadium as, as the Hawkeye starter, I think it's just another spot, especially when he's matched up against a guy like Brock Purdy, where you, it's just primo setup for in-running Iowa State if they jump out to a lead. Um, especially maybe looking at the second half line if they have a, a lead at half when the game script becomes a bit more predictable for the Hawkeyes. Hello! And then, of course, in the NFL, we have our Doggy Juice teaser of the week for week one. And just a reminder for all of you, uh, a six-point, sorry, a two-team six-point NFL teaser that crosses through the key numbers of three and seven, also known as the, the Wong model teaser. been covering this on the pod um, for the past few years. And really, books are trying to guide against this uh, by by juicing up the VIG. Really, if you could find a book that has minus 110 still on these teasers, it's a home run when you can cross through these numbers, even with the average NFL total rising up a little bit, especially when you get some of these lower total games where the, it magnifies the value of each point. Because essentially, when you're, you have to remember, when you're playing teasers, you're essentially buying points. But when you are crossing through those key numbers, edges can still be found as long as you're not laying anything more than really the minus 120 is the limit. And just for my, you know, my my listeners here, uh, there are certain books in Illinois, or my listeners in Illinois, um, there are certain books that are, are allowing these teasers at minus 120. I know DraftKings has it. I know Play Up in Colorado, we're offering minus 115 teasers. But always be mindful of the fact that you are paying for these these points. And if you're laying anything over minus 120, uh, it's, it's almost certainly not a good bet. And if you have it at minus 110, it is a very strong bet. But 
we have a few teams that fit the mold this week. We talked about this uh, with Matt Landis as well. But this week, the official Doggy Juice podcast teaser of the week is going to be the Bucks on Thursday night. Uh, teasing down from 8.5 down to minus 2.5, crossing through those key numbers of 7-3. and three. And then the Rams on Sunday night football against the Bears, teasing them down from minus 7.5 to minus 1.5, essentially asking each of these two teams to win outright at home on primetime um, in a situation where they are uh, clearly a power-rated better team starting out the season, and I, I really like this spot. So this is a very strong teaser play for me as well. Nothing wrong with, with keying those two options in with the, the Niners on the road this week, but as Matt Landis touched on, there's a, a lot more uh, lot more variance on those road teams, um, you know, playing those, those road favorites, crossing through those key numbers. So a bit more trepidation on that one. Um, historically, but at the same time, I think that's a strong angle as well. But the best best teaser of the week is definitely Bucks and the Rams. And a reminder that if you're looking to bet on NFL Week 1 action this weekend, the Dimers bot over at the Quick Pick section at Dimers.com runs thousands of simulations on these games and can help you find an edge on whatever game you're looking to bet on, whether it's side, total, what have you. Make Dimers.com a part of your daily handicapping process. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Podcast. As always, follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And if you enjoyed listening to this, then please rate the Doggy Juice Podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a review if you can, even a quick rating. It takes 10 to 15 seconds, really helps get the pod out to people who can listen, benefit from it. Um, to all the new listeners out there, welcome. Excited to have you on board for a new NFL season. Looking forward to bringing actionable content, but also great evergreen content and interviews your way. Um, really on a weekly basis. I know I touched on um, just some housekeeping matters for the podcast moving forward on last week's episode. If you want to listen to, I'm going to be looking to bring in more interviews and evergreen content. And of course, um, updating people on the latest in state-by-state sports betting legalization and how to become a better sports better during these very exciting times in the industry. So anything you can help to do to spread the word, even if it's just a quick rating, that would be very much appreciated. And always appreciate all of you listening to the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. I'll be back next week. Good luck with your action this weekend and talk to you all again soon. Doggy juice.